Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Cyrus's podcast. Today we have Randy Brandt. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. We are in Chicago. We're right on a freaking lake. Beautiful. Or what is this? A river? The river. Sorry. It's close. Not a lake. It's okay. It looks, it's big. It's not an ocean. We'll yeah, put it that way. Exactly. Welcome yeah. to the Midwest. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really excited about this because one, because like I know your background in like real estate space as an investor, like just in general, like all of these things. And so I'm really excited to kind of get more into you and your story versus just like how I know you, you know? Um, So I want to first get into like, what did you do before real estate? So I got into real estate in my 30s, actually. So I had an entire career before this. Oh, snap. I went to Michigan State for hospitality business. Okay. I got a job right out of college and sent me to Colorado. And I worked for Vail Resorts. And I was their event coordinator for three of their different ski resorts over 10 years. Oh, wow. So I got to travel the west side of the country um, for almost 10 years before I realized that it was not for me. Corporate America was not my jam. And what was your... um what was your like day-to-day in like that job? Like what were you responsible for? So I oversaw the actual events themselves. So in Keystone, we had a conference center where I could hold up to 1500 plated dinners and all types of conventions. And so I would make sure every day each room was set up the way it was. The crews were there. The food and beverage was there. I worked directly with the kitchen department and then also security because there were many times where we would have high military officers on site. So we would have to have security in there. So I was all the day-to-day operations manager. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So then you're doing that. What the heck? Why did you get into real estate? So in the... 2009 crash happened. I was able to keep my job. In 2012, they ended up, Vail Resorts cut line level management. So because I didn't have a master's degree, I got the boot. Wow. Yep. So I worked for a nonprofit for about a year and a half just to try and figure out what I wanted to do. What was the nonprofit? Uh, So it was Project Sanctuary. It's based out of Colorado. They're military family uh, retreats. So they do six day therapeutic recreation retreats for the entire family because we've had over two decades of war yeah and some families just don't know how to cope with it so we we try to help with that and i still am part of that that's really cool okay so you worked for the you worked for the nonprofit, Mm -hmm. and then because you didn't know exactly what you were going to do and then so so then my sister got married she started Uh having babies my grandfather got sick so it was time to come home so i came back to detroit and I ended up having the opportunity to, just through word of mouth, I started a, an event planning company myself. Okay. I focused on some corporate events, mostly though, weddings. Yeah. And we have a very large Indian population in Michigan. And my mom used to work for a few Indian doctors. So I grew up in the culture. Yeah. And I became, before I sold my business, I was the top um, recruited wedding designer for Hindu and Sikh ceremonies. Yeah, I was very lucky. I ended up, I went to India with a client to help them pick out fabrics once. That's pretty cool. So in 2015, I realized that as much as I loved the industry, it wasn't gonna be a longevity for me. I wasn't gonna be able to retire and have the life I wanted. Yeah. So I started looking at real estate as an investor of this is how I was going to be able to retire in my 40s was my goal. So in the game of 16, somebody actually approached me to, to buy my book of business in the wedding industry, which I wasn't prepared for. 
Um, I sold it. And in December of 16, I got my license and became a full-time realtor. Wow. Okay. So I didn't even know you, you did that. So you actually sold your previous company that you had built yep. and then got into real estate and you got into real estate because of the fact that you want to be an investor or because the goal originally was I wanted to be an investor. Yeah. I had already been in sales for so long. I figured why not also, cause I was bored. Yeah, yeah. I have to go back to work. I have to work and do something every day. So I became a, a full realtor. Full That's time. amazing. Okay. And so then talk to me about like that first year transitioning from like all of this stuff that you have been doing before into real estate. Like what would, what did that look like? It was very similar. Honestly, you have to prospect, you have to go out, get your name out there as, as a beginning, you know, business owner, you're a nobody, nobody knows who you are. So I networked with everybody I could. I used my old book of business and profited off of that. And I have a lot of my old wedding clients get yeah, buying houses. So they were some of my, my test dummies, honestly. And thankfully I had a good enough relationship. I was transparent. They knew I was just new in the business. And they were good with me kind of failing forward and getting them through into their first homes. That's really cool. It was great. And then uh, I was able to work with an investor. Uh, funny story. I met him sitting at a bar, actually. I was there with some girlfriends. I thought he was hitting on me. He sold uh, or bought five houses with me three weeks later. Wow. So my first year in the business, I actually sold 39 units in downtown Detroit and all of them were $35,000 or less. Wow. I grinded my first year. $35,000 or less. That is a three bed, one bath brick ranch or colonial what? in my market. That's crazy. So, okay. So you're just closing because how many units do you typically close a year? I still average about 40. Just yeah. You have to be, yeah. Yeah. yeah different price points and things like right. that. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's, but, that's still so impressive. So how do you, and then do you have a team or do you? I'm a solo agent. Okay. So like, talk to me about that. Like, talk to me about like how you're a solo agent closing this many amount of units. Like, how is that possible? It's all about time management. It really isn't hard. Like I'm still, even when I travel or I'm on vacation, there's still time slots of my day that are still allocated to business prospecting, whatever facet. In the beginning of my career, it was everybody's to, least desired cold calling. I would do that for two and a half hours, six days a week, religiously. Yep. And you I had to because one, you get used to being told no. Now try and tell me no. I dare yeah. you. Yeah. I will overcome that every chance. And then, so now it's more of my follow-ups, my marketing on social media, because that's a lot of where my, yeah. my business comes from. And then just making sure I've got the time to allocate for whatever clients I have that day. A lot of my clients are not in Michigan and they're in different time zones. So I actually adjust my schedules based on their time zones. So I might have a really nice break in the middle of the day and then I might work like seven or eight o'clock at night because oh, wow. they're in a different time zone. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And you had, you had mentioned, you had said you did cold calling for, you said two and a half hours a day, six days a week. And I think the important factor that you said in there, like, that's where you learn how to take a no, but really it was an educational piece for you versus really a prospecting piece, it sounded like. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. it was, I, you know, so many people would get so nervous to pick up the phone and I think they still do. Mm -hmm. And I turned it into a game. 
what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Somebody's going to hang up on you. Yeah. I would literally call that person back and be like, I'm so sorry. We must have got disconnected. Yeah. What I was saying was, and 50% of the time, I would lock in that appointment. I love that. And also, like, like I always tell people, you can't lose a lead you don't have. Exactly. Like, so people are so scared to like prospect or follow up or do all this stuff. But it's like, it's like you don't have, you don't have the client. Like as it is, you don't have the client. So you cannot lose that client. Yeah. So go try it. 0% of nothing is nothing. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So it's like, try it. Just keep trying it. Keep trying it because at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. Yeah. Right. So, so, okay. So you, you did that. You've, you've absolutely crushed it in real estate. Like, well. You've done, you've done extremely well. Um, I think that you do really well on the investment side of things because that's what we talk about all the time, right? Yeah. Um, and, and how did you, like, I know you said initially you wanted to get into real estate because of investing, but were you investing before you got into real estate? No. Okay, so how did you go from, like, agent to, like, investor, owner? Uh, so I did... Realistically, I probably did everything ass backwards. Um, I bought my first investment property before I bought my first home. Okay. Uh, so when I was working with my investors in Detroit or for the single families back then, I would only have you know a small amount of money to be able to put in. So I would put $5,000 into a deal with my clients and I'd get $8,000 back when yeah. we bought it until I was able to buy my first investment. And so I've only been piggybacking that. And now that we're doing multifamilies, I do the same thing still. Wow. So it's, it's, I've grown it to where now when I do my multifamily deals, I do more of a percentage of, so, you know, with things that change, there's always opportunity where I can put, become a 10% equity shareholder. And then my clients can either buy me out after a year for that amount of money, or I can continue on and stay as an owner. Okay. And so now I've got partial ownership in almost 80 doors and I own 12 myself. So, okay, 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 okay. okay. Let's break this down because yep. this is this is like like free game right now because I think this is so smart. What you do is you find a deal. Mm-hmm. XYZ deal, 25 unit deal. Let's pretend. Yep. You take that deal and you say, "Hey, investor, here's the deal. I don't I'm not going to take any commission from it. I'm not going to take anything from it." Soft market deal or whatever, I'm, I'm guessing, right? Yes, most of them are. And then you basically say, in exchange for that, I want this much equity. I've, okay. yet, I've yet to be told no. Where ha- did you come up with that idea? So I have to admit, I did not come up with that myself. I yeah. learned that from somebody else. Okay. Um, I learned that actually from Brett Tanner. Okay. And he's a, he's a big one within my brokerage. And he taught me, one of his people actually mentioned doing something similar to that i kind of just created it into my own wow learn from those around so so you went so so you went and you basically reached out to your network Mm -hmm. and or or tell me how that like so do you do you talk to him all the time about it or like how did that like work or did you reach out to him and ask him for advice i had the opportunity to have a small mastermind with him okay uh there was about 30 of us so we had some one-on-one time for two days and I kept wanting to get into the bigger multifamilies. Uh, I've done a couple four units, but I really wanted to get into the, the 20 plus. Yeah. There's such a big market in my area right now for it because so many people, so many investors bought them and now their hard money loans are coming due and they can't 
they can't pay them. So now because I've built a name for myself, yeah. they're calling me saying, can you sell them? Well, absolutely, I can sell them. Why not also capitalize on them and build my portfolio that yeah. I wanted? So I kind of sat down with him and said, what am I missing on this? Because I didn't want to put the money down myself. Yeah. Um, I'm still very frugal in things because I don't come from a lot. Yeah. At one point, you know, the money that I use or I, I made off of selling my business, that I've never touched. Yeah. I've, I've pretended it's never there. I keep a very small amount of money in my day-to-day -day checking so that I always have that grind of I have to keep hustling and work hard. Yeah. So he kind of brought this to me of, you know, if you offer lesser percent of commission, because a lot of times on these deals, your client is who pays you. So if you're on the buy side of it, your buyer's still paying you on it. It's all a negotiation in my market. So rather than them paying me out of pocket, yeah. they're giving me equity in the shareholder of it, yeah. of the building, keeping money in their pockets so we can put more money into the building if we need to. Yeah. And then in a year or so, we can have a conversation. I can either stay on and make more money over time or they can buy me out for a agreed upon price. Okay, so so I love like this because of like literally 10 different reasons. First reason is, is like that you, and I, I, I'm breaking it down because I think it's so important yeah. and we can't skip over this. Like you went and you had zero ego to go and say, how the heck do I do this? Absolutely. Which is like, again, I see this in, Every freaking successful person that I interview, every single time, like it's the same conversation. I knew somebody that was doing it really well, and I said, how do you do it? And so you went and did that, so uh -huh. you got that. And then now you, you've built this thing, you're basically taking equity, and then you become a shareholder essentially, right? You, you, you have a property that, let's say, pretend you own 10% of, if you have to put 100,000 in, you're paying 10% of that 100,000 to, to, because you own part of that property. Exactly. And then on the back side, if you want to sell it afterwards, you have an agreed amount that you can yes. sell it. Yeah. So you have an out as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and it, it's a mutual agreed upon. It's yeah. the contract that we place before we even go under contract on it is there is a set price amount based on what it will be. So the, the other caveat is that I don't own a property management company. It's never something I've wanted to get into. Yeah. I do have a client of mine who runs a very successful one in Detroit because Detroit is a very different market I'm learning than yeah. most other areas. Like we literally knock on doors and say, Hey, your rent is due. This is how it's just how things have been. Yeah. And so I do offer them, you know, they'll take on these buildings and within Usually it's between four and six months. We'll have it fully occupied at market value because a lot of these buildings are not yeah. being rented out at market value. I also work with the VA and Section 8 housing. Yes. Love them. I don't care what anybody says. They are the greatest to work with. They also give me the top dollar. Tell me why are they the greatest to work with? It is literally guaranteed money. If I ever have an issue with one of my tenants, I call their, their uh, social worker or their caseworker and say, hey, I need some help with this. They'll handle it. I don't have to worry about it. My property management doesn't have to worry about it. So it's so much less of a headache. During COVID, when nobody was getting their rent money, we were making all of our money. Yeah. I love that. My tenants weren't worried about being able to pay their bills or not because they've got government assistance. Yep. We were all good. We had some help with the utility companies because that is not yeah. included. But everything else was 100% good to go. They were, you know... Taking care okay. of it. Yeah. 
It's great. And 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 you also it's the same thing with VA, right? Section eight and VA. It's the same you same kind of setup. Exactly. Is that what I'm okay? Yeah. The VA the the difference with VA is they generally want an agreement for the entire building because okay. they like to have all of their vets in one space. It's just easier for their their caseworkers. Yeah. So generally when I go under a contract, I will reach out to my VA contacts and say, Hey, I have a sixty four unit that I'm gonna be taking on. Are you interested in it? And if so, what can you get it for me? So we yeah. had one in Lansing. It was it was 64 units, and they ended up for the one bedroom units. They gave me 900 a month, and they write the lease agreement to us for the entire building for the year, and then they tell us who the names are. So oh, it's, wow. it's with the VA themselves, not the individual. So your agreement is actually with the VA, correct? And then they basically say, "Hey, look, these are the people that are living here." Yep, exactly. So it, you know, amazing. if 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 a vet has an issue and they have to go back into the hospital or something, we're still getting paid. They will ask to like place another one, and that's yeah. fine because I don't have a break and I'm not having such a turnover because that costs money, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Line. Wow. Okay. So interesting. So okay. So you've you've gotten into this. You've you've scaled very quickly because, like in my opinion, I'm 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 thinking, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but like I feel like you've scaled very quickly because you've gone into each space with a, with I, I I say no ego right and like pure gratitude and the fact that like you're here to be able to do this and then you went and you asked the people that that you knew needed help so you went and did that and then you were able to scale quickly because of that is that absolutely hundred percent yeah it's how do I learn from those who are doing what I thought I never could right? yeah and honestly one of my biggest clients he's become a good friend of mine he's eight years my junior and he owns hundreds of doors throughout the country yeah. and honestly he he's given like he'll bring me deals and say this is how we're going to do it i'm going to help you he was the first one that I said that. i need you to invest with me i love that and you know again it, you, you you're genuine with people they take care of you and yeah. you try to give that back and so it's really just boosted and i i do try to treat all of my clients well and that's how I got so big into the multifamily. It was never something I looked for. Yeah. My name gets thrown around so much though as the go-to in the Detroit area because I can get deals done. I also have the network now behind me where I don't need to throw it on the, the market. I can yeah. do it within my database or people that I know who I know also buy into this. Yeah, that's really cool. So now let me ask you this. If you had to give advice for one person that Maybe they're in their 20s, their late 20s, and they're thinking about, hey, I want to do a career switch or something like that. Like, what advice would you give them if they want to be in your shoes one day? This is a business. The moment you decide you're going to get into real estate, if you do not set it up as a business, you've already failed. That is the that. biggest thing we see is that realtors come in, they think, oh, it's great, I can make my own schedule. That is a lie until you actually get your business up and running. Um, I'm going to make all this money, which is true. You do make, you know, we're very fortunate in yeah. how hard we work. It is lucrative for us. Yeah. But when you don't treat it like a business and you don't want to put money back into it, you're going to fail it. And that's 100%. where you, you don't have the sustainability. And that's why so many of these realtors are out of the business. And even investors, they do the same yep. mistake. They don't treat it like a business. They're just at that quick bottom line, and in three years, they're not yeah. even on my radar anymore because they, they've failed. So if you want a successful business, treat it as a business, build a business plan, and build a budget, 
and run your freaking P&Ls. Absolutely. <laughs> I look at my P&Ls weekly. I mean, I, I have my group, like, so my, my CPA, my financial advisor, we look at them annually, quarterly, monthly, and then I'm looking at them weekly because yes. things always change. Things 100%. pop up. And I've got multiples. I've got them for all of my investments. I've got them for my my own actual business. And I've got them for my personal life. Yes. Because you have to. Yes, 100%. I also I like spreadsheets, that. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works. My That's favorite. amazing. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast today. Now, if people want to connect with you, where do they find you? How do they find you? How do they connect with you? Social media. Uh, you will always see me. So it's plain and simple. Randy Brandt, IG. Facebook. I'm old school with that. Can you spell it out for me? Yes. Randy, R-A-N-D-I. I I am a girl. (laughs) Brant, B as in boy, R-A-N, D as in dog, T as in town. Thank you so much for being on. I appreciate you. It's so great.